1: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Thursday, August 6th, 2020. Thank you for joining us today for another great episode. I know I say that every single day. But I really do believe that today is going to be a great episode, right? We can be hopeful. Uh, But but I also am am pretty sure that you guys listening out there will will enjoy today's episode, specifically the interview. We are growing, guys. We are growing as a podcast every single day. Uh, All these months we've been putting uh work in and getting at her after it every single day all of the different interviews we've been having uh but let me tell you today is a big step it's a very very big step for the program because uh today we go international that's right the get home safe podcast has a guest today from outside the country now we're not recording today we always record a few days in advance however Uh, We are being joined today by Hank Lemoyne. He lives in Winnipeg on the province of Manitoba from Canada, our brothers to the north. Uh, It's really cool that we have an opportunity to have a guest on here from outside the country. And you know what? In going forward, I think we might even have a few more. I have a few uh, kind of written down, a few few ideas, a few people i 've talked to already that I think we 're going to have on here from uh, from around the world, so this podcast continues to grow. I thank you for all from the bottom of my heart because without listeners uh, what what 's the point in talking into this microphone every single day so thank you for joining us today uh, we 're going to talk about Hank here in a few minutes. Actually, our whole intro will kind of be building up to Hank because I want to tell you guys kind of give you guys the idea, give you guys the story if you will about kind of how Hank and I uh, met. Uh, It was through baseball, of course, but uh, my path in baseball was kind of a little different than much, and I'll explain that all to you here in a second. But about Hank Lemoyne, Hank lives up in Winnipeg, as I mentioned, and Hank is a baseball umpire. He has umpired baseball in the American Association, the uh, independent professional baseball league up there that I had the chance to work a couple years in. He lives in Winnipeg, so he, he's what's known as a local umpire. He works mostly the Winnipeg games when they, they, they kind of need a guy to fill in. He's uh, one of the top guys out there that they go to, and he's very involved in the American Association. And whether he's working or not, he's usually at the Winnipeg Gold Eyes baseball games in the stands watching the umpires and just uh, a great representative from, uh, from Canada uh, as far as baseball goes. So he's a lot of fun to talk to about baseball. Hank, also like most Canadians, is a huge hockey fan. So we're going to get into that. We actually recorded over the weekend as the NHL playoffs were starting. And, and I do want to say uh, for those of you who do listen to this program uh, regularly, you know the the hockey playoffs have been so exciting. They all they always are, but there's just special. I don't know. It's a little more special this year as far as the playoffs. I mean, if you're a hockey fan, let me tell you, the, this has just been. An incredible past couple of days there have been no, no less than five games a day and, and in some cases there have been six games a day all playoff games you know whether it be a round robin of the top four teams playing and uh for the uh the reseeding of the the teams one through four or or the other eight teams in each conference that are competing in a best of five series i mean as of tuesday night excuse me as of wednesday night there's only been one team eliminated and that was the new york rangers who got swept Uh, uh, a few nights ago. So, you know, everyone's still in the hunt here in this 23 team playoff format. And it's really, really exciting. I'm going to talk to Hank a little bit about, well, I shouldn't say a little bit. It's actually a lot of hockey because I don't get to talk to too many hockey fans, especially from, from Canada, which is, you know, hockey central and, and one of the many reasons that I've enjoyed my time up in Canada multiple times in different cities is the passion for hockey and, we have some great hockey fans here in the United States, but hockey is just a way of life up in Canada. I mean, I don't want to go get ahead of ourselves too much because we're going to talk with Hank a lot about it all. But as I've said many times throughout this program, as I kind of lose interest in other sports, some of my interest in other sports increases. And hockey's been that way for a long time, even before uh, this, this lockdown and especially with sports going away. I, I'm, a, I'm an L.A. Kings fan. I always have been. Uh, some of my earliest uh, memories were uh, you know, in junior high and high school when the Kings, if they won a few playoff games, that was a big deal. Um, so anyway, uh, one of my favorite Kings players from early on was uh, Felix Potman. And a great goaltender, Felix, the cat, if you will. And uh, he was a lot of fun to watch, uh, in my t- early teenage years, I'll say, uh, kind of when I started to really like the sport and, and I've always been a football guy, but you know, hockey's always kind of been there, uh, you know, with me every step of the way too. I, I kind of quietly watch it. Don't talk a ton about it, but these past few months, especially with the restart now, I, I've really just, I, I mean, I'm all in, I am all in on hockey. I, I've watched more hockey. In the past four days, I'll say, than I probably do, uh, I don't want to say a season because I do tune in uh, quite a bit, but it's been way more in a four-day stretch, we'll say, than or five days, whatever it's been, than, than I have uh, any time in my life. So I'm all in on hockey. Uh, again, I think with the restart, they've done some great things. Um, there's a lot of different politics and different things going on, uh, again, with sports these days. And I think most people just want to watch a game. I mean, I, I can't speak for everyone, but that, that those are just some of my opinions. That I think most people just you want to they want to be entertained and and uh, and watch a ball game. So uh, I will say, or or it's not called a ball game in hockey, I guess, but uh, you know, uh, you know what I mean. And so I, I do want to mention this: the time I spent in Canada, uh, whether it was the Winnipeg Goldeyes or when I was in affiliated baseball over in Vancouver. One of the things I absolutely loved about Canada and Canadians is their absolute passion during the national anthem. Everywhere you go, uh, these, these different stadiums I've been, when the national anthem is played, it's a big deal. I mean, everybody not only standing, they are singing uh, that, that one line in the uh, anthem true North. I mean, that, that always, everyone shouts that Um, you know, it's just, it's just so cool to see, People so passionate about their country and their national anthem, and, and you know i'll say this as well when the American national anthem was paid played uh the the Canadians paid respect to it i mean they they stood there and um you know treated it uh, not quite like their own but but they were respectful to the u s national anthem that's always stood stood with me stuck stuck with me, I should say. I think that's incredible. I mean, I, I did the same thing, and I know a lot of other Americans did who were up there in Canada when the Canadian National Anthem was played. We were very respectful. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my country's National Anthem, but I still stood there at attention, and, and I honored their flag and honored their anthem and their culture and their custom. I mean, it, it, it was special, and it's so cool when you see kind of it go back and forth, like returning the favor type of thing, right? Mutual respect. I love that stuff and so my experiences in Canada have always been good I mean whether it be on the baseball field or just kind of going around the town here and there uh, just just good experiences and uh, you know what I don't know. I think the the Canadian national anthem, if I'm honest, it's probably my second favorite national anthem. I mean I've probably heard it more than other ones <laughs> but uh you know I'm I'm a I'm a proud american I love our national anthem but that the canadian national anthem man a lot a lot of fun so uh we'll, we'll talk with Hank about canadian pride and this and that but I do want to kind of talk to you guys about how I got up to Winnipeg and kind of my route uh in 2008 I graduated college wasn't sure what to do jumped into a professional umpire school was fortunate to get selected. I worked in minor league baseball 2009 to 2012. Um, my, my road, my route, my road, end of the road, if you will, ended in, in 2012 for me. So that was kind of the end for me in professional baseball. And for those that don't know, you know, once you're out of the minor leagues, you know, you don't really, as an umpire, you don't really go back. You, you really can't, there's no spot for you. Um, your, your road to the potentially getting to the big leagues is over. So I jumped into college baseball and, uh, one of my colleagues actually from professional baseball, kind of a mentor, if you will, was Mike Jarbo. Mike Jarbo and I are now roommates. We've been roommates for three years or so, but during uh, our first year when we were roommates working college baseball together, uh, Mike got out of, or was out of professional baseball in 2012, much like I was, although he worked uh, much higher levels than me, triple a and such. He, uh, ended up going to the American Association, kind of like a way to to get back on the road, make some money, but also he wanted to kind of give back to a league that had given him so much because for Mike, he had worked the American Association. It had a different name at the time he did. He worked that league as kind of a young, uh, wide-eyed, just a kid who had never really umpired any high level before. He worked that league, uh, back in you know the early 2000s, maybe uh, before he got into affiliated minor league baseball, and he did that to gain experience, and he learned a lot about himself on the road. And uh, you know he had some guys that really uh, helped him out along the way. So when Mike got out of AAA, took a few year, few years off of, of uh, being on the road and everything, he decided to go back. And work the American Association to get on the road again to work a hundred game season in the independent professional baseball league, the American Association. And uh he 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 had a passion that he was taking young kids in their early 20s or so, you know, give or take, who wanted to go to umpire school, who wanted to go into the minor leagues. And Mike obviously had a ton of experience. He used to be that kid at one point. So he, that was like a passion of his is he'd take a young kid, that uh, had either gone to umpire school and didn't make it or was going to go to umpire school and really wanted some experience and kind of get on the job training, if you will, not only had umpire baseball, but how to deal with grown men on the field, how to take care of yourself off the field in, in uh, you know traveling and, and being on the road, being gone away from home, living in hotels for four months, just kind of everything. And so that was something I think Mike missed the road a little bit as some guys do. I, I didn't so much, but uh, you know, some, some guys love it. And, and so he wanted an opportunity to kind of give back. And so that is kind of how Mike started doing that. I think, and I'm not sure, give or take 2015, maybe. Well, anyway, Mike and I moved in together, uh, in a small apartment in uh, Covina, California. And we were just chatting, uh, you know, over time. And he was like, you know what? You should come on the road with me. And I was like, eh, I don't think so. I, I did professional baseball before, and there is a huge difference between affiliated baseball and independent, unaffiliated baseball. Right, all those players—they're not affiliated with a team like the Dodgers or the Padres or the Cubs or the Yankees. Like they're not affiliated. They are—they are, they are uh, you know, free free agents, I guess, if you will. And and they're just playing for a team in a random city that is uh, competing for the that league championship, really. They're playing to keep playing. Some guys either want to keep playing baseball, want to keep being on the road, and some are just holding on to another shot too. Maybe get picked up by a a a major league club and thrown into a short season A ball or something based off of their experience in independent league baseball. So that's kind of the the short version, if you will, of everything. Well, I eventually, Mike, uh, I eventually said, you know what? Why not, Mike? Yeah, let's go. Let's go do it. And he he, because he sold me on the idea. Hey, let's let's go on the road. We'll we'll get a a young kid like I've done the past couple years, and we'll just he'll get he'll get two uh, he'll get he'll get kind of two teachers, if you will. He'll be able to uh, to uh, educate him on kind of the ins and outs of things. And so I was like a little skeptical because I had actually worked for a uh, independent professional baseball team, uh, like press box duties, kind of a thing when I was in college. And the independent league out here in California, the Golden League, at the time. Uh, it, it looked like the Wild West. I mean, players, coach, they all kind of did whatever they wanted. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to ever be a part of that. Well, Mike said, he assured me, hey, the American Association is very different. It's very well run. It's organized. Uh, the teams are, uh, you know, professional. Um, if if you can work and you carry yourself the right way, you know, they're going to leave you alone. And I was like, all right. So so I decided to do it. And so the first year I did it was 2017. Uh, I actually was working my final game of the season. As luck would have it, I was at the uni—well, not university—I was at New Mexico State University in May. I ended up uh, driving Mike's car <laughs> to New Mexico. Uh, uh, where was that? Las Cruces, which uh, you know took quite a while—about uh, 15 hours or so. Maybe less. I'm not sure. But anyway, got there, stayed the night, worked the college series, my last one of the season. And as soon as the game ended on Sunday, I drove from Las Cruces all the way to Dallas. And that is where I picked up Mike, who flew in from his series. And we uh, that's where we started our journey in the American Association. And I worked uh, my first game there in a few days after Mike and I met up. And away we went. And we had a young kid working with us that uh you know had didn't have much experience and we tried to you know from from the uh the morning until night basically everything we were doing we were educating him and teaching him and really showing him the ropes and showing him how to you know carry himself on the baseball field and how to improve every night as well so that was just kind of the story kind of the journey we did that for two seasons uh, 2017 2018 2018 was our last season a very good experience i enjoyed every second of it Uh, It was an opportunity for me to get back into professional baseball. And again, it's, it's independent, it's non-affiliated. And so some guys are like, why'd you do that after being in the minor leagues before, why would you go and and do that? And I was like, well, uh, I didn't have anything else going on. Really. Uh, It was an opportunity to make some money using a craft that I had learned really. And and it wasn't the easiest thing in the world because uh, Valerie and I had just kind of recently gotten together. So it was within a few months that uh, our relationship was put to the test with me leaving for the first time for, you know, four months. And uh, it was good for us. So I'll say that. And so our journeys took us to Winnipeg. One of the teams up there in Winnipeg, or excuse me, the team up there is the Winnipeg Goldeyes, And uh, Winnipeg has a proud baseball history. Again, I'll let Hank tell you all about that. But uh, Mike was just telling me, hey, can't wait for you to meet this guy, Hank. And Hank was a guy who obviously umpired uh, games for crews that only had maybe two guys. That's kind of how the league worked is a lot of crews. It was two guys, and they just meet a guy in the city, uh, a local, if you will. So Hank was uh, a guy who, if he wasn't working, he was at the games. He'd come into the locker room before the game, talk baseball with you. He'd uh, ask questions. He'd give you some pointers, some of the things he saw. Uh, just a very passionate guy. He'd have a clipboard with him, writing things down, uh, just very energetic, uh, guy who loves baseball. Uh, and I don't mean this in a negative way by any means, but he's, he's, uh, he's Mr. Canada for sure. He's can- Canadian all the way. Uh, when I think of Canadians, uh, Hank's one of the first guys I think of because just his demeanor, the way he carries himself, uh, just great people up there. In, uh, in Canada. My two visits when I was an affiliated ball was Vancouver. And then Winnipeg was the, uh, the, the most recent journey for me that uh, my baseball travels took me to. So I no longer work the American association, uh, but Hank is still involved. And uh, I know he's very passionate about any umpiring he does up there. So he will tell you not just about his umpiring in the American association, but also what it's like, uh, you know, amateur baseball in, canada especially during those very cold months uh we'll touch on all that it's going to be a lot of fun looking forward to uh, to catching up with hank or, or you guys hearing it at least because we already caught up uh on uh, over the weekend but uh, you know i have a special place in, in canada for my heart my, my grandmother who i never met uh my, on my mom's side she passed away in her very early 20s um she, or not let's see here 20s how old was she my mom was, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, passed away very early. Never had op- opportunity to meet her, but she was from Quebec. Quebec, from the uh, from that uh, area, that province, uh, we should say, uh, Montreal. So um, never had a chance to meet her, but I've heard a lot of things from my mom telling me over the years and my aunts and uncles uh, talking about my grandmother. So uh, Canada, very special place. I haven't really had any bad experiences in my travels there. It's been a lot of fun. And again, how could you not love a place that is so passionate about sports? Uh, it just so happens to be hockey, which uh, we have some great fans here as well. But again, hockey is uh, is definitely a way of life up there. We're going to talk on all that, touch on all of it, I should say. Looking forward to you guys hearing it. I've rambled enough. Let's take a quick break, and then we will get right at it with our interview with Hank Lemoyne. Okay, joining us today is a special guest all the way from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Hank Lemoyne is a umpire up in Canada. I have crossed paths with him in my journeys throughout the American Association in 2017 and 2018. So it's great to catch up with him. We're looking forward to that today. Uh, We're going to talk baseball in Canada. We're going to talk a ton of hockey, I think, and and just catch up since it's been a couple years. But anyway, Hank Lemoyne, thank you for joining us all the way from Winnipeg today.
0: Thanks for thanks for having me, Matt. It's uh, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to having a nice chat with you. And uh, it's uh, it's hot up here today. We're we're getting close to 40 degrees, which is uh, which is about 85 a you in Fahrenheit. So it's it's warm, warm day today. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. I don't know if I could uh, constantly do that math all the time, Hank, with the, uh, you know, uh, who's to say who, who's backwards and who's forwards here with the, uh, the Fahrenheit and the Celsius and everything. I mean, <laughs> but hey, yeah, would you always drop that on me with the temperature? I'd be like, what? How cold is it? How hot is it? And yeah, you always uh, yeah. throw me for a loop.
0: When I say 40, it's pretty close to 32 degrees. And you say, God, that's, that's still cold. Uh, no, no, Celsius. That's 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 up there. It's it's you multiply it by 2.36 or whatever it is. I don't know. I, I don't know what the. Oh man. I was born back in the 50s, so I'm still with pounds and tons and stuff, and like you guys are, and and feet and inches. But now when you when you play ball here, everything's in in meters and stuff like that. So when you see on the left field wall, it says like 600. You go, holy smoke, that's a long way to hit it up. And in fact, it's in Netflix, so you don't have to worry about it,
1: too. <laughs> oh, man, always fun. Always fun. I got to carry a calculator with me everywhere I go in in Canada. But uh, anyway, Hank, it's, it's interesting we're talking today. Um, we'll, this interview will probably come out later in the week. But right now, it's Saturday, August 1st. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have an NHL playoff game in the background right now and it's august and and this is just so odd to me uh it's pretty cool but it's odd that you know hockey is back among other sports but i know hockey is is a big deal up in canada and and what i mean what are your thoughts now with with the canadians kind of starving have they been just starving for hockey these past couple months or what's it been like for hockey fans up there well it's you know The biggest business right up here in Canada
0: with hockey fans is social workers. I mean, (laughs) 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 believe it or not. Yeah. My, my daughter's a social worker. So it, 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 yeah, people get a little crazy when they don't get their hockey fix and uh, I'll tell you it's, it's, it's tough without having playoffs. People are looking for stuff to do and uh, thank God on TV they're doing replays of, uh, of games and even black and white tv from back in the 60s and stuff like that just to keep people's fixes don't get uh they don't stay high sticking people out in the streets if you know
1: what i mean <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, well, I've had the opportunity to to travel a lot of places uh, all over the U S and a few places in Canada. And every time I've been to Canada, you know, you think you understand that, oh, okay. Yeah. Canadians love hockey, but until you set foot on Canadian soil and spend some time there, you don't realize just how much hockey is just makes the world go round. When I was in the American association up in Winnipeg, it was summertime and I know there's hockey on now, but generally there's no hockey in the summer. Like it's the very beginning of summer and it ends, right? Well, hockey was about, you know, had just finished and people are already talking hockey. People are already talking NHL on uh, TSN up there in, in Canada. And, and it's just crazy. It is just year round hockey up there all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it, it's our way of life. Um, as you all know, we uh, when we play the United States in hockey, I think it's once every 10 years we let you win. Uh oh. hopefully, hopefully, you'll keep it shiny for us and then give us the cup back. Uh, you know, when you, have it for nine, you can have it for another one and that kind of thing, if you know what I mean. Oh. If, if, <laughs> and unless it's women's hockey, then you guys seem to kick us all the time, so it is, it is <laughs> what it is.
1: Oh, you're taking it to me.
0: Hockey's Hockey's a big deal up here, it's our sport. Uh, baseball takes a, a very distant second or third, you know, even to football, to the CFL, um, which is trying to get underway, and and they're they're uh, trying to figure out hub cities and what have you, just like the American Association is. And it's just it, it's it's peculiar. It's a peculiar time for uh, for not just the people south of the 49th, but up here too. It's it's uh, <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know, there's nothing you can do. You just gotta get up every morning and find something to do
1: yeah yeah just like all of us uh have been and i mean you know hank as far as hockey goes i mean are kids just born with a hockey stick in their hand up there is, is that just you said a way of life i mean no. it's, it's just it's just commonplace right it, it's everywhere you go and as soon as you're born hey this is a hockey stick right pretty well uh yeah.
0: sometimes you uh, uh you see kids with uh with with you know, jet outfits on, or, or maple leaf outfits, or Montreal Canadian outfits when they're first born. I mean, it's not it's not unlike seeing pictures in Facebook or social media with newborns coming in, and you see those kind of pictures and what have you. So yeah, you're correct. Um, hockey, as soon as kids can walk, some uh, like Wayne Gretzky, for example, I think he could skate before he walked. So, <laughs> like I say, you're you're exactly right. It, it's our sport. Uh, we. We, uh, we got it. We nurture it. We help other countries with it, much like curling. And uh, uh, much like baseball, we depend on the Matthew Herzmas and the Mikes and the Heaths and the bills of the world to come up and uh, take care of doing
1: right. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Well, you know, it's going to be an interesting uh, – there's been such a long layoff. And so this, this playoff format the NHL has come up with, um, I was studying it the other day trying to get all my – Uh, You know, T's crossed and I's dotted trying to make sure I got a good handle of it Uh, because I did look at the schedule and I was like, man, there's like five or six games a day. This is going to be pretty awesome. So what are your takes Hank on the format that the NHL came up with basically eight teams in each conference or 12 in each conference, the bottom eight kind of playing a qualifying round, and then the top four in each conference pretty much just playing a round robin for seeding. I mean, I think they did a great job piecing it all together, making the best of a bad situation. But what are your thoughts? Well, once
0: again, you know, in our preamble before we started getting online here, um, safety and health comes first. Um, they they pretty well put their heads together with the union and with the management side and and decided – Let's give this a shot, and initially, let's see how it works. Um, I like to think that uh, that the hub cities, uh, in order to become a hub city, they did it correctly. Um, I would like to have seen Winnipeg uh, be one of those hub cities because, um, not that I like to use this phraseology, but our our numbers were good. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. Um, they brought in phase four here, of course, and it didn't take two or three days and we had 12 instances of which one person passed. So, you know, where do you, where do you, where do you drive a line where it comes to the dollar sign coming first before safety and health and what have you. But, uh, I think, I think hockey's got it right so far over say the NBA or, or major league baseball. I just hope that, uh, Nobody gets sick like what happened in Florida, where 20 people the next day, boom, and it's uh, it, it's it's a freak show after that. So, I, I think I think that through the nomination process and the awards of the hub cities and the way that the teams uh, ended up last year and and how it worked out, uh, I I think that's the right way to go. Uh, our Winnipeg Jets uh, through a through a scare into just everybody in the league. The other day we played Vancouver. I think in Vancouver, but we beat them for nothing, and it could have been a lot worse. So uh, hopefully the Jets will uh, continue on from that and uh, and bring home a Stanley Cup because we haven't had a Stanley Cup here. And if they do, it'll be just Armageddon
1: in the streets, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we were talking, Hank, like a couple years ago. Uh, the Jets had a really good run. I mean, a, a great run. They, uh, you know what uh, my LA Kings I haven't been in the playoffs or even seen the playoffs and know what those are in a, quite a few, a uh, couple of years here. So I was like, well, I know someone up there in Winnipeg's uh, having a good time and enjoying themselves. So I was, I was pulling for you. I was like, man, I hope they do it. Cause I know that city loves their hockey as they all do. But you know, Winnipeg was cool. Cause we stayed across the street from the, uh, the, the Jets arena there, which was awesome. And I'm like, man, this is, I could just see this city throwing one big party with every single Jets win. That, that same street where you walked
0: out of the apartment, you made a hard right to go into Tim Hortons for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> that small block had 5,000 people in it. Oh, <laughs> So if you can imagine that small block with 5,000 people in it, uh, and it, believe me, I wouldn't have been COVID time, trust me.
1: no not at all well i've never seen
0: yeah i've never seen so many people so close and uh, with the big screens and a goal was scored by the jets and uh you know the noise level must have been just silly uh must have been crazy
1: yeah i i just i couldn't get over it watching it on tv and being like man we used to we stayed right there that's we were right there on the uh the street corner there like in every i was just it was awesome stuff and uh you know, as, as far as your jets go, I mean, you are always optimistic, right. But what, I mean, what are your thoughts with them in the playoffs? Uh, again, this unique format, I think they play in the flames in game one tonight. I mean, what are your honest thoughts? Do you think they, they're in position to make a run? Because I think with this format, it really is anyone's cup to go after just cause it's so unique. Yeah. It's a coin flip. Uh, it, it, Like
0: I say, Vancouver, uh, we we played them in the exhibition game. We beat them four nothing. We just didn't beat them. We we beat them up, Mm -hmm. and our goaltender turned away everything. I mean, we probably got the hottest goaltender going in uh, to the playoffs right now. They're talking about him. Well, he's he's uh, in the running for the Vesna Trophy for the best goaltender. So it's it's from goaltender out. Uh, We've we've got some good defense. We got guys that can put the puck in the net if they can stay healthy um yeah if you're in las vegas
1: you may want to throw a bet on them mm-hmm. hey I, yeah. I i think it's it's up it's any it's up for grabs man it really is Ooh. uh everyone is fresh we'll say yeah. after all this time off and you know who knows what's going to happen i mean hockey's a great game that way as soon as the puck drops literally anything can happen i mean uh you see guys fighting you see uh, some amazing skate skating you see stick play i mean some goal just Anything can happen. Uh, it's played on ice, but it's all about who gets hot, right? It, it's, uh,
0: you're exactly right. It's <laughs> In the first set of series, it's a coin flip. Um, it, it, if a team gets hot and gets on a run, it's, it's just like baseball. Mm-hmm. Like in the American Association, the Gold Eyes, there they they were nine, and I think there were nine wins and ten losses, and they just reeled off eight in a row. So like I say, if you, once you get on a roll – you know, uh, all of a sudden the goaltender gets hot, the defense are blocking shots, you stay out of the penalty box, and everything that you shoot goes in the net, and pucks start falling your way. So yeah. it's, uh, like I said, it, if, if the Jets are, are anything like they were in that exhibition game against Vancouver, uh, they'll be the team to watch for sure.
1: Well, Hank, talk to me about the the history of the Jets, because I know there was some, uh, you know, Winnipeg had a team. That team moved to Arizona, I believe, if my uh, knowledge is correct here. And then the Winnipeg Jets came in uh, in 2011. So if if I'm right on that or I'm off, uh, correct me, but what can you tell me about what it was like having kind of hockey in Winnipeg itself, then it go away and then it come back?
0: Well, I'm from I'm from the World Hockey Association days. I'm from the WHA uh, days when Bobby Hull was here with under Anders Hedberg and Ulf Nelson from uh, the guys from Sweden. <clears throat> we had the best line in hockey. I don't care what anybody says, and uh, they were really, really a pleasure to watch. And we had them right here in Winnipeg, and it was it was kind of unfortunate that uh, uh, the league didn't keep going. Uh, it was kind of an outlaw league to the NHL, but as you know, dollars uh, won over, <laughs> so they they let me- Pitch, uh, back into the NHL back in that day, right afterwards, but they disassembled the team. I think Bobby Hull ended up with the New England Whalers and uh Hedberg and Nilsson went to the New York Rangers and uh I kept the they kept the goaltender a defenseman, and defenseman on the forward. That was it. So it really wasn't didn't have the same flavor as the WHA. Uh it was uh um Kind of a different animal, uh, it lasted this side of i don 't know five or ten years or something like that. Then we lost the team, and uh, uh, the Manitoba moose came in and uh, we had a, we had junior a hockey, so we got our hockey fixed that way and then all of a sudden there was the big push to get uh, the NHL back into Winnipeg and uh, we managed to to get the ownership to get the team back here and uh, it's taken a couple of three years. I think we got the uh, team from the Atlanta Thrashers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we built on that. And uh, gosh, you know, two years ago, we uh, we were a couple of goals and uh, f- f- a little bit of luck here and there. We could have been in the uh, NHL final. I think the semifinal uh, against, I think it was Las Vegas that we lost to, if my bad memory serves me correctly, we lost to them. That could right. have been the Stanley Cup final versus the actual final that we had that year. Mm-hmm. It was really, really well played. So... I think it's history.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's so interesting when you know teams relocate or maybe an organization leaves and then comes back. I've seen that a lot in in uh, the NFL, for instance. You know, with uh, my LA Rams. I mean, the Cleveland Browns became the Baltimore Ravens, and then they re- then they restarted the Cleveland Browns. There's all kinds of stuff like that. I know in hockey, there's been some teams that have kind of moved around quite a bit. You know, the uh, the Phoenix Coyotes, of course. Um, uh, but what, what are your thoughts, Hank? There's a new team coming into play here soon in the NHL, the Seattle Kraken. And, and I know it's another team in the States, of course, not up in Canada. Uh, personally, I love Seattle as a hockey venue, a hockey, um, city. And I think it's great for the league. And personally, I really like what they did with the, with the mascot name, the Seattle Kraken. What are your thoughts on the NHL bringing uh, or Seattle coming to the a- NHL.
0: Well, I I think it's good for that area. Uh, it's going to be good for Vancouver. That's one less, one shorter flight that they have to make because, yes. as we all know, the Vancouver Canucks, everything is an air flight. I mean, they they have just the craziest schedule. Um, so that'll shorten it up a bit when they, if they're if in fact they're doing some realignment. Um, the name Kraken. I, I would love to see the logo i buy a hat and a shirt just to have one. I mean, it's, yeah. it's gonna be pretty cool. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that and uh, how they introduced the team on the ice. I don't know what a Kraken sounds like, but it's, it should be, it should be pretty cool to see. Oh all that man.
1: Well, well, if you haven't had a chance yet, Hank, check it out. Uh, just, you know, on the old Google machine, Seattle Kraken, they came up with the logo. I think it was last week, maybe, maybe before that, ah, okay. but uh, cool hat, it's like a turquoise kind of color. kind of similar to the the uh, Seattle Mariners colors really and uh, I thought the S was pretty neat with a little red eye on there I mean I think it's good it's very I don't know how else to say this but it's very hockey if you know what I mean
0: oh yeah no yeah no I got you there if if, you know if the shoe fits people will wear it you know yeah yeah, they'll uh, it's like the the Winnipeg Gold Eyes logo the fish with the you know the angry fish yeah um, uh, it took me a while, sort of, to get used to it because I like the old logo uh, because they, it, it originated from back in the late '60s and '70s when we had the Winnipeg Whips here, we were the AAA team to the Montreal Expos, mm-hmm. and I liked that logo. And uh, you know, the Winni- Montreal Expos had an M, and you flipped it over and it was a W, <laughs> so that was the logo for the Winnipeg Whip, of course, and it worked for us.
1: Oh, that's fantastic!
0: So, yeah, a lot of us, a lot of us hardliners. Uh, yeah, when they when they put that fish in there, we we're not not too uh, not too into it. But you know, we it kind of grew on everybody. And uh, when you walk downtown, if you don't see a you know a Winnipeg Gold Ice out there, there's something wrong with it. <laughs>
1: you you want to know something? Uh, kind of one well, not final hockey question, but something I want to bring up. Um, I had the opportunity. I watched a uh, documentary called The King's Ransom, and it was about Gretzky. And I'm sure yeah. you you know of it and him leaving Edmonton. And Edmonton was just this huge powerhouse at the time and yep. gretzky going to la what's that i watched
0: it on tv i cried just like every other canadian day oh,
1: yeah canada's <laughs> son i'm sure uh he, him coming to los angeles and that moment really took los angeles hockey to the next level it, t- it made them relevant it made hockey relevant in the city of los angeles when there's so much else going on with the Lakers and Dodgers. And even at that time, I believe the two NFL teams were still here. So uh, a huge moment. It was interesting to see it. And, and, you know, I'm sure there were skeptics about hockey being in Los Angeles, but the same people that said that said that hockey will never work in Phoenix. It'll never work in Vegas. Uh, I think Seattle kind of has that Pacific Northwest feel. So hockey kind of works, but, but what are some of your thoughts on, I guess West Coast hockey, you know, here in Los Angeles, we got the Ducks in Anaheim also. Uh, we're kind of spoiled that we have a lot of options within driving distance here on the West Coast.
0: Well, I, I, think, I think having a lot of people in that area has yeah. a lot to do with it. Um, there's a lot of Canadians that, uh, that, like your capital city of California, um, We back in the 80s, we used to jokingly refer, refer to it as a Winnipeg. Uh, because when everybody retired from this area, they moved to, to your capital city. So I wasn't, you didn't have to look very hard to find somebody from Canada, whether it's from Winnipeg or somewhere, cause it was warm climate. Yeah. Uh, if you were a nurse or a doctor in your fifties, why not, you know, take the contract and go down and finish your time there. So yeah, that that's, uh, that's exactly it. There, there's a, a lot of folks there. There's lots of different things to do. I mean, in 83, when I went down to Australia to, uh, to play baseball down in Brisbane uh, my wife and I first got married next day we're on the plane off we're going so we ended up in Los Angeles as one of our stop offs on route and uh, we we missed our flight the next day and we had to stay an extra day in in your in your city and and you know I figured I I you know we'd go and watch a baseball game but there was nothing going on so we went to watch Marcel Dion and the Los Angeles Kings play hockey back in that day before Gretzky got there And uh, it's, it's uh, when I was talking to some of the locals there, it's, they said it's the only time we get to wear our leather jackets with our fur collars is a hockey. (laughs) Yeah. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. It's that's logical. But, (laughs) but uh, yeah, no, we, we watched the Kings play back then when, uh, like I say, when, when uh, back in those days and uh, the place is packed just for an exhibition game. So to, do people from California love their hockey?
1: I would tend to say, yeah, you uh, you got it right. Yeah, I mean the San Jose Sharks, the uh, you know have a good history. The Ducks have won a cup. The the Kings won a couple uh, not too long ago. Uh, I mean, I went, I had the opportunity, Hank, to go to a game in Vegas while I was there, umpiring, and the, oh, the Kings, the Kings were actually playing there. And I, I got to tell you, that was one of the best environments of any sport I have seen. I mean, Vegas does it right. And, and you know what, there's so many good uh, West coast, uh, we'll say fan bases, you know, they don't always, the teams don't always do well, but uh, I got to tell you that the LA Kings, for instance, their fan base is, is special. It's pretty big. Like it's, they don't get the headlines. I think that other teams do, but LA Kings fans absolutely love their hockey. I I know, you know, I've seen it at games. Uh, it's just, it's, again, it's not as popular as Dodgers, Lakers or whatever, but LA Kings, man, it's uh it's a pretty passionate fan base.
0: I think, I think Wayne Gretzky moving down there started, started something in, in the United States, uh, with, with the, the greatest hockey player at that time, uh, coming to the U S and, uh, and growing the sport. Um, it, it blossomed in the U S there's no doubt about that. I mean, uh. Wayne is is a special, not just a special hockey player, but he's a special guy. Um, married a girl from California, uh, stayed there, you know, built his family, what have you, and made the odd cameo appearance on TV, which made me stay Wayne, please stick to hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, not, uh eh. Uh, maybe he's
1: not that good behind the microphone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, it's not as I will say, uh, from experience, it's not as easy as it looks. It is a little more difficult. Uh, but if, if you had to, Hank, you said a great, okay. Uh, a lot of people see, uh, Gretzky is, is, uh, you know, the great one, of course. And, uh, who would you say, maybe it's not just one, maybe it's two or three, but who who are your favorite hockey players of all time? Who are guys that really have stood out to you from the NHL?
0: Uh, well, like uh, again, I'm I'm uh, born in the '50s and went through the '70s. Um, th- those were my days, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bobby Hull is my favorite hockey player. There's no doubt. Um, uh, he could do it all: back check, forecheck. Um, <laughs> he would stay after games, just like Gordie Howe did, and and sign autograph- autographs forever, and wouldn't leave until the last one was done. So that's that's why I liked uh, I liked him. Uh, Morris Richard for the uh, Montreal Canadiens. I mean, uh, uh, doesn't beat a hockey player like that. So um, Wayne Gretzky, could he have played in the original six? I imagine he could have. Uh, but uh, would have been, he would have had a few more scars, I think, than, uh, than what he's got now. Uh, yeah, the, 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 back in those days, there was only six teams in North America. And all the best players could, could play there. Now we've got, God knows, what, 26? So it's a little more watered down than it used to be. And uh, is the quality uh, of hockey better? Now, of course it is. The, you and I both know, uh, even with baseball, the, the the athletes now are bigger, better, faster, stronger. They warm up, they warm down, they drink water. Uh, in the original six days, you were smaller, you weren't as faster. you drank beer. So, <laughs> like I say, it is what it is
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So they're that they're 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 far better than ever before
1: oh man great stuff those are some great names uh yeah I love the history of, of any sport really but hockey's been great and I will tell you Hank you know I've grown up a football fan basketball fan baseball fan probably third uh but the probably the past 15 years hockey's always been there for me I've always watched it appreciated it and as I've grown older there's things I've kind of gone away from a little bit and been more drawn to and hockey is one of those i just love that it's there's a lot of strategy to it and everything but it's a it's a no bs sport it's just like hey let's go hey if there's a problem let's not talk smack about it let's deal with it too you know there's there's this physicality to it that i love and and just uh, a toughness that that i can definitely appreciate so Uh, I I won't get too much into it, but as, as some of the other sports get a little bit more, I don't know, political, I don't know a better term. uh, They kind of go in the opposite direction of something. I don't know. I I just like hockey. I like that. Hey, let's line them up. Let's play. Let's see what happens. You know, it's a, it's, it's a great, great game.
0: It's the speed. Uh, The speed of the sport is what attracts a lot of people. Uh, The athleticism while you're, well, your your feet are attached to metal, which is on ice, which is about three or four inches above the ice surface, and you still have that athletic ability that could look like you're walking or running on cement or or a field or whatever. Um, it, it it's it's just that attractive. I think that's what it is: is the speed of the game uh, is attractive to the to the average person. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could take a pygmy from Africa and put him in a hockey arena, and he'd probably go, "Ooh." that's pretty cool so you know it just it just is it just is what it is uh, for for that basis only is for for it to be that attractive is, is the, the speed of the sport never mind the largeness of the player or or the physicality or whatever as we all know most of those guys are married with kids so they try and police it that way so that nobody gets their head taken off and they still make a living so
1: Oh, yeah. Well, well, I could talk hockey with you all day and maybe we'll chat a little bit more here towards the end of the interview, but let's chat a little baseball now because I know that's something that you are um, you know, very involved in and something you've always had an interest in. Uh, I, I do want to tell for those who don't know, kind of explain the American association. There is affiliated baseball. There's uh, the minor league teams for the Dodgers for the angels. Okay. There's a AA, AAA, roughly. Okay. That's all affiliated minor league baseball. There are also some leagues out there that are non-affiliated. They're independent league professional baseball. And these are leagues where guys just have an opportunity to keep playing, make some money as well. Uh, some of them are trying to get back into affiliated ball. Some of them are just playing to play. Anyway that's kind of a brief history on that, but the American Association uh, is usually not this year but usually a twelve team league in uh, goes from Texas all the way up into Canada, kind of right in the middle of America there uh, north and south all the way up to the top uh, and and beyond to, to Canada uh, so that is where Hank and I met i was i don't know if I was a uh, just wanted to be on the road again, get yelled at by some professionals. I don't know. But I decided to work with my roommate, Mike Jarbo, uh, in the American Association for a couple of years. It was he, he and I and then this other kind of young kid that we were training to get involved in affiliated ball. Okay. So the way the American Association works is there's a crew generally of two guys. And then w- whatever city you go to, you are joined by what's called a local the local umpire from that city or that region that works with you on the series. Some crews have their local travel with them, and that's kind of what we did with our crew. But Hank is one of the guys that is a local in Canada, in Winnipeg. He's gone down to Fargo, North Dakota, a couple times. So he is uh, kind of on call, we'll say, in the American Association. And so that is our, our uh, involvement. And if he's not working the game, you better believe Hank's going to be in your locker room an hour or so before just chatting baseball with you, uh, whatever the case may be. So he's at all the Goldeye games. He umpires some of the Goldeye games, some of the other games in the league. That's kind of a brief summary. But Hank, uh, how how long have you been affiliated with not only the Gold Eyes but the American Association? How did that all come about?
0: Uh, it's, uh, long story short, <laughs> which is hard for me. <laughs> 2010, um, I was uh, uh, what we call a level four umpire up in Canada. Uh, level five, you get involved in international um, um, uh, world championships, Olympics, whatever. I was at that level in uh manitoba where where I could work national championships all over Canada and all that kind of stuff, and local provincial which be would be like your state championships and what have you um i uh, uh went to uh a clinic uh in canada where where I met um one of our uh baseball canada um organizers i guess you could call it that or what we call a high performance uh, umpire. We have, we have those things up in Canada, Matt, we call them high performance umpires. Um, I don't know if you have any of them down there, but uh, (laughs) but we give them these big, long names. That means they're the second coming of Christ. Uh, so so anyway, you know, we, we, we had an interview and he said to me, well, you know, Hank, you're, you're, uh, you're in your fifties and you got your age against you. So we're, we're kind of working on the younger generation to, to, uh, to get up there. So, um, I, we want you to know that, that uh, the chances of you getting outside of your state or province are probably slim to none or whatever. And I, so I just piped up and just said to uh, the other two gentlemen who were responsible for state or province, uh, well, what do you think about me working an exhibition series with the Gold Eyes? Because at that time, those two individuals were responsible for for the local guys, for the, at that time, the Northern League, which was prior to the American Association. So uh, they they said, okay, well, we'll see what you can do. So they threw me right into the plate. And uh, I was told I had a a, a good game. Zone was good. Uh, the usual stuff that you get from going to pro umpire camp or to Wendelstad or what have you. And things went well. Um, the very next year, uh, Kevin Wynn who's responsible for the American Association and, of course, the Northern League morphed uh, into the AA. And uh, uh, he, they gave me a call and, and said, uh, hey, can you, uh, can you find two other guys and take care of the exhibition series, which, which I did. And uh, we got through the series okay, pretty, uh, pretty clean. Uh, the baseball was, uh, was uh, of course, you got young guys trying to make the team and you've got older guys that are trying to stay. And, and uh, it was a pretty clean series. Uh, we went down to Fargo and worked some ex- exhibition games there and long story short, the following season, I was invited to go to pro umpire camp in Shreveport, uh, Louisiana, and uh, went down there with Bob Blatt, who works with me as a local umpire, too. And uh, we uh, we met uh, the, the powers that be for the American Association for Umpires, and uh, it just kind of blossomed from there. i go back to Winnipeg as a local umpire, take care of business there. And if you wouldn't mind going into the dressing room, Hank, and uh, hanging tough with the mics and the mats. And... And uh, the mats and the bills. And uh, if uh, the crew chief wants you to watch a few things about the younger guy, the third guy that you would bring with you and bring that into the dressing room the odd time, if, if crew chief Mike wanted that, then fine. That's what I did. So that's basically the long and the short of how I got involved.
1: <laughs> well, well, one thing I can always appreciate, Hank, you know, uh, Mike was telling me as we were – because he had been in the league a couple years, and he said, oh, you're going to love Hank up in Winnipeg. I said, yeah, absolutely. So when we met – you know you're great. You're you're a student of the game as far as umpiring goes, and and you would always have you know a notepad and some some things you saw, some think questions you had. Uh, it was interesting hearing some of the like Canadian umpiring terminology that we don't necessarily have. And you're like, hey, that was a, you're really good at those uh, those P fives or whatever. I think that's what you called them, and I was like. <laughs> Well, what what is a P five? I have no idea what that <laughs> means. But thanks, man. Like, <laughs> so it was fun. Yeah. You know, it's almost like speaking two different languages. We're both speaking English, but it's like speaking two different languages almost. Yeah. And, and chatting after a game, and uh, you were always you were always cool. I mean, I can't remember the Mike and I joke all the time because you take your notes, and I can't remember what the phrase you use, but you'd say something like hey, the rest of this is just sandpaper or something like that. And Mike and I always <laughs> chuckled. What was the official way you said it again? I'm trying to remember.
0: No, I, I basically, when when I, after the third inning of watching you guys, uh, it, it, was sun, it, it, it was done so well that there was no need to take notes for the rest of the game. So I just simply said, the rest of this, I might as well just take, rip it up and use it as sandpaper and just throw it in the waste paper basket. So I just took it. And- and I clipboarded it into the into the into the waste paper basket. And I thought Mike was going to fall down.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! Floor. But yeah. no,
0: it it, it uh, all the California umpires that I either worked with or saw. Uh, I don't know what it is about you guys, but uh, Jesus, you guys umpire well, and it was uh, it was a pleasure to watch, even e- e- equally to working with you on the field. It was it may be more of a pleasure to watch. <laughs>
1: Well, I appreciate that, Hank, and, and I got I cannot bring up Winnipeg without two uh, moments <laughs> in my baseball umpiring career. Uh, I don't, I think it was who knows what month it was, but I was umpiring on the plate on a Saturday night, a little earlier start, which was nice. And Mike said, "Oh, we got we got this place uh, uh, going to go afterwards. They got live music. It's a cool spot." I said, "Cool, awesome." So I think it was a six o'clock start. Start the game, and at the time. <laughs> Once the game was completed, it was the longest game in American association history. And the way that I was just like, it never ended. I mean, the Kansas city, I think it was against, they scored two runs in the 12th. Winnipeg scored two runs in the 12th. They scored one in the 15th. Anyway, the game went forever and I was on the plate. I felt pretty good. That's the game. Uh, Kansas city squared to bunt. They pulled back and I got drilled in the stomach in like the 16th inning or something. Uh, in total pain, bad scar, bad uh, bruise there. Uh, thankfully, I had a little extra uh, uh, fat padding, we'll say, <laughs> from my stomach. But, <laughs> but anyway, the game went forever. The, the way the game ended, actually, is Kansas City was out of pitching. And yep. they, rather than have a position player pitch, one of the starting pitchers who was off that day said, he was a right-hander, he goes, hey, I can throw left-handed. And the manager said, okay, go warm up and we'll see if we can do it. So this guy comes in there and he's throwing pitches left-handed. They weren't fast. They weren't always accurate, but he threw a few strikes. And I'm going, man, this is how this is how things are at right now. Anyway, Winnipeg got runners on. Uh, they then told the kid, hey, intentionally walk this batter with a runner at third. And he couldn't quite intentionally walk a guy on purpose. He threw it over the catcher's head. The game ended. <laughs> almost 6 hours later whatever it was so we walked up the field and i had the longest game in american association history at that time <laughs> because <laughs> it still is <laughs> <laughs> well i think a few year a few months later in the american association championship series game 4 uh you yep. know we all know what that game was and everything that game ended up going i think 18 innings maybe it was seven to whatever that game went six hours. I think that game eclipsed my, my time. Uh, but it yeah. was, you know what? I always loved the Winnipeg, the city. I love the stadium. I love the people, but unfortunately I had two of my longest games of all time there. Uh, one working in the plate, another at third base in a championship game. So I don't know, man. Uh, I love the city, but some of the pain, some of the memories are a little painful, little, little sore on the legs. Don't, don't feel
0: so bad. Every I, I have, uh, I don't have season tickets, obviously, because umpires can't have season tickets in your hometown where you're a local umpire. Yeah. So my my in, it, I pay for them, but they're in my wife's name. Let's just put it that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and uh, every time she comes out to watch a game, it's always extra innings. Because as soon as we park the car, she comes out and goes, "God, I hope the heck this thing doesn't go 14 innings again." <laughs> Because we could have gone out and had a steak dinner and come back and the game would still be on, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. It, it, I, I, one, one, of the, one of the peculiarities of independent baseball is you're going to get those uh, 14, 13 games. And remember the game you were talking about when Joey called the block ball and, and uh, we ended up going till two o'clock in the morning. And I was up in the booth with uh, with Miles at that time, the commissioner. And as soon as the as soon as it was called, uh, he took one look at me and he said, "Hank, please tell me that that Joey didn't call a Bach on that." And I said, "Yeah, boss, he did, and it was actually a good call." And and uh, I I'm pretty sure that Joey was was probably either going to a few. Uh, it was all over TSN. It went like all over the place. Apparently. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of schools that wanted a piece of Joey after that for him to come down and teach that particular call or whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, that was a long, I didn't get home till about three, three thirty that day. It was, I was going home.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was game four. It extended the Man. series to game five. Then we had like rain the next two days. So we waited around in Winnipeg for a few days and then finally played the final game to, uh, to leave. But uh, yeah, just some interesting memories for sure. Uh, Joe was a pleasure to work with. Always uh, enjoyed. Uh, he and I still talk to this day. Great guy. Uh, of course, I live with Mike it's still. It's and, uh,
0: with
1: oh, of course. Of course. Absolutely. Uh, but just it it goes to show in kind of all the stories and conversations I've had with people here on the podcast is that it's again, it's the relationships, it's the friends, it's the colleagues that you come across. Uh, the stories are cool, but without That's friends true. to share them with, I mean, how good are they, you know?
0: It doesn't mean much, Matt. You're right.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, Hank, you talk kind of about some of your uh, the umpiring that you uh, still do, but also, you know, connect Canada baseball. I mean, for us down here in, in sunny Southern California, 12 months a year, uh, you know, tell us what is baseball yeah. like up in Canada? Because the weather doesn't always cooperate. I mean, what is kind of the baseball season for, I guess you would say your high school age kids up there?
0: Well, I actually am part of the, and I, I, UIC, the, the uh, high school ball here in Winnipeg in, in both conferences. Um, we started in, uh, it in, it's, it's actually a two week season with a one week playoff and then a provincial championship, which takes, you know, so basically it's a one month season starts in mid May, ends in the first week of June because the, the students have to write their exams and, uh, and be done by the end of June. So uh, let's just say that uh, I do have two plate coats. One of them is blue. One of them is black. And, uh, yeah, I, I wear my plate coat in, in June because our games can be anywhere from minus 10, which is like, you know, uh, uh, 10 degrees, maybe maybe five, six degrees below zero uh, freezing in Fahrenheit. And uh, so, yeah, I wear my, my curling uh, gear is underneath my chest protector. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you. That's where a plate coat comes in handy. So it gets lots of work in in the first uh, couple months of the season, and uh, we don't we don't get to see warm stuff till about, I would say the middle of June, and then from the middle of July right now until the middle of August, it's like somebody flicks a switch on and we get that 40 degree stuff, that 80 and 90 with uh, with humidity that comes out of the north where the lakes are. I, and you've worked in it. I I know you have because the game time starts at like six o'clock and all of a sudden it's ten. 10 30 and it's still light out and i, I know you guys from california go oh, man why does it stay still light out in canada but that's the way it is here. And, uh, it like i say it's uh getting close to midnight on uh close to june 21st and it's still light out go figure so
1: no that that is that's crazy it.
0: That's, it. that's the yeah. light the light
1: being light outside is just nuts you're just like man it, the sun does not go down here it doesn't get light it doesn't get dark it's crazy uh and, and i will say hank about your plate coat I'm not mistaken. It's been a few years, but didn't you let me borrow your plate coat uh, in the yes, finals? Did. Okay, so that's the yes, only time know. I've worn a plate that's coat. The black one. And that's, yeah, that's yeah, the black one. It's the only time I've worn one. Uh, and every now and then, I'll go back and look at the game game three of the 2017 uh, American Association uh, finals, and I was on the plate that day only because I want to see myself in the plate coat sometimes. And, uh, you know, it was, it was fun, dude. It was I, What an Oh man. That that was so cool. Felt like a gunslinger with the two ball bags and you got the big plate. I felt like I was in the 1960s, I'm part of the world series or something. Yeah. It, it's, it's one thing I like
0: about the plate code is, is when you're actually running to cover a, say you're, you're working a rotation to third base. Um, you can run as hard as you can and those baseballs stay put. Mm-hmm. Unlike the the other type of uh, ball bags that we use with just the shirts, sometimes one may sneak out. And uh, if you've got big hands like I do, uh, going into that ball bag, sometimes you got to bring the left one over to hold it and pull a ball out because <laughs> we're inside. Whereas with the, with the deep pockets we have in our plate coat, you just reach in, pull it out, fire it to the pitcher, and uh, away we go. So, uh, that's why I like the plate coat is, is just, uh, it, is the way the ball, you know, the balls behave. So it, it's, uh, makes it a whole lot easier to work with.
1: You know what, Hank, I liked it so much that I actually bought one off a friend, uh, last Perfect. season, last off season. And unfortunately didn't get an opportunity to wear it, man. I was, I was kind of bummed. I uh, wanted, wanted to wear it because that's still the only time I've worn a plate coat up in, uh, Winnipeg. And again, September hits cause it got pretty cold in September. So that, that was when we were wearing oh, yeah. it. Oh man. Good stuff. Yeah. So, so Hank, let me ask you, how did you, how did you get your baseball umpiring start? I mean, was it later in life? Was it by accident? Was it something you always wanted to do? Take, take me back to kind of the beginning of your umpiring journey.
0: It it was basically all of that. Um, I, I umpired, uh, a softball game that my, my daughter was involved in when she was like 12, 13 years old. And it, did I get the, did I get the sting at that time? Oh yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, uh, I played baseball my whole life at a, at a fairly decently high level. Um, didn't make too much money playing it, but uh, made a few bucks, you might say, had a, had a bit of a cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> and, and it, it's being the third team is a, it, out there on the field is it's a different avenue. It's a different, it's a different field. Um, and that's where I really got the, uh, uh, you know, the sting of of, uh, of enjoying, uh, like you said, being yelled at. Um, <laughs> if we're we're a strange breed, we are. Uh, we enjoy watching projectiles coming at us at 100 miles an hour, uh, and hoping that the human being that's in front of us will stop it, or we get a big purple mark just where the liver is. Mm. <laughs> You know that's, it hurts. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it basically happened that way. And in the Northern League back in 1995, when the Gold Eyes first season, if my memory serves me correctly, we had an incident where uh, a batter turned around and and hit the umpire with his bat, which caused a bit of a strike for about three or four days. Uh, in the Northern League. So uh, the general manager at that time, John Hindle, uh, and I played junior ball. We played junior ball with each other. And he said, uh, Hank, can you do us a favor and uh, and uh, umpire first base? And uh, being a union guy, I felt like I was crossing a, crossing a picket line. But <laughs> there was no picket set up. It was just the umpires did not want to work. And uh, unlike what we had a couple of years ago with, with the umpires picketing, there wasn't really anything like that. It just, they weren't working. So I, I went and worked first base. And uh, I think Fargo, Fargo was actually in town playing Winnipeg and uh, worked a couple of games. And boy, if I didn't uh, get the bite at that time, uh, I was really seriously uh, thinking about uh, taking it to the next level, uh, which I did. The next year they invited me out. Uh, I didn't work any level one or level two. Because of my baseball acumen, they brought me right into the level three aspect of Baseball Canada and uh, worked as a level three umpire for uh, a couple, three, four years. And then the 2010 came around and, uh, you know, with, with the interview with Corey Davis and next thing you know, I'm doing professional games. And I went down to camp, went a second time in Spring, Texas. Uh, they still wanted me to work. Uh, there were thoughts of making me a crew chief. Just a little bit of chatter about that. Hank, would you like to be a crew chief and go on the road? And I went, uh, no, uh, I, I I like being married. Uh, <laughs> that was basically the answer. Uh, I, I, we all know, uh, you know, being an umpire and being married is kind of like being married and being a professional baseball player. Uh, you're not home a lot. And... Uh, f- um, I. <laughs> I think divorce rates are quite high with with, with not just umpires but with officials in general. So uh no, that that was not in the plan. Um keeping me in Winnipeg as a local ball or as a local umpire uh was was good for the league. Um if we had somebody hurt or missing or or somebody got sent home or something like that or whatever, uh, Kevin and Lance and and uh and Miles and the rest of the guys knew they had somebody they could count on here in Winnipeg. So that's basically it.
1: Yeah. Awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. That's uh, that's, that's cool. Just the umpire journey. We all start out in different ways, but it all, it all seems connected as well. You know, I, I can't explain to people. I, I tried, I can't explain to people why I do it or why I even like it because there's days I don't, but yeah, yeah. You, you're right. There is a sting. You get stung by this uh, umpiring bug and you're just like, oh well, I'm I'm connected at the hip to it. I want to keep doing this, and uh, I can't explain it. It's just one of those things you, uh, you you'll never understand, really, why we do it because uh, it's dangerous. You get yelled at a lot. Every every decision you make is questioned. Uh, but hey, uh, if we didn't do it, who else would? Right, Hank? Well, you, you're right. Uh, thick skin uh, is
0: uh, is good. Um, I, like I said to you before. Um, I got, um, you know, I, I have to umpire the Winnipeg Goldeyes a lot. Uh, one year, uh, 2000, I think it was 2016, I, I had 31 games in Winnipeg. Uh, so I got, I got to see Rick Forney 31 times, um, which is probably more than, than a traveling crew uh, would, would see. Um, Rick and I are, are very professional with each other. Uh, I respect him. I think he respects me. Um, uh, being Canadian and him being uh, an American citizen, of course, there's that, uh, are they really good enough feel? And, uh, and I understand that. I respect that opinion because it's not our sport. It's your sport. Uh, I would probably look at the Matt Herzmas and the Mikes of the world and, uh, and the, the Heats and the Bills of the world if they were hockey officials. And I would go, eh, maybe <laughs> you don't even have that question mark. And if, if you understand what I mean so uh has rickhead and i have have we had terse words in the past yes we have can i repeat them in mixed company uh no i can't Uh, (laughs) uh, in the next day uh, as typical baseball people did did we go to the plate area and and uh, shake each other's hand and it's a new day and yesterday was forgotten yes uh which i'm i'm happy about because uh as we both know as thick as our skin are um, being up at two o'clock in the morning, thinking about what I should have said rather than what I did say, I know you've done it. I've done it, and uh, anybody that doesn't uh, that say that they do that, they're lying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Hank, if you could, if you could, uh, in a couple sentences here, um, what what are you? What would you say are the biggest differences? in professional baseball versus amateur baseball? You, you've had your fair share of both. Um, yeah. Obviously, the, the the speed of the pitching and the power and, and all this and that. But what, what would you say from an umpiring standpoint is the biggest differences in uh, professional baseball and amateur baseball?
0: That's a real good question, Adia And you, you may have got me on that one. Um, let me look at it this way. Pro ball versus amateur baseball, but not just from a Canadian standpoint, but just baseball in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are they two different animals? Sure. They are. Uh, did, they have different skins? Sure. They do. Um, you've got, you've got guys that are, that are coming down through where they were. That could be major league baseball. It could be triple A baseball. Most of them are double A and, and they're trying to get back the other way. So that, That behavior um, supersedes an amateur um, thought pattern, if you know what I mean. Uh, Amateurs aren't thinking in that. What they're thinking about is, God, let's win, guys, so that we can win a provincial title, which is your state title, and hopefully we can win a national title. Um, As you can see, those are two totally different mentalities and two totally different aspects. So that's what I think is the difference between pro ball and amateur ball. Not just one has a lot of dollar signs and the other one has nothing. Uh, That's the other thing. Um, uh, In amateur bowl, you could do two to five games in a day. Um, In baseball Canada, they ask us only to do three uh, at the most, but because of the lack of officials like you have in the States, you're going to work more baseball games. Whereas in the AA, with you and I, uh, you work one game, uh, a night, unless of course there's a double header because of a rainout or w- you would never see us do three games in one day. That would just be impossible. <laughs> so uh, there's that, there's that peculiarity difference between pool and, uh, and amateur ball. And, uh, and you said, uh, I'll keep it short, with two sentences. And I think those are pretty long, two sentences, Matt. So we'll leave it there.
1: <laughs> all good. All good, man. No, no, no worries. I, I do think there is a big difference in, you know, some people, some people say, well, I umpired this, I can umpire this. And it's like, nah, that's not always true. Much like players, just cause you're a good high school player. Doesn't mean you can excel, uh, in professional baseball. So, uh, it is a different environment, a different expectation, we'll say. And, and so yeah. there's, there, there's plenty of challenges that come with each one. Well, well, Hank, if you can kind of fill us in on what, uh, the American association is doing this season, because, uh, this crazy year that has been 2020, yeah. Has all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of challenges. Sports are back here uh, in, in the mm-hmm. states, and uh, you know what? What is the whole thing, and, and what's it going on in the American Association this summer?
0: Well, it it is it, it is a different animal. We've we've got a we have a sickness that's that's widespread across the world, and the American Association, I think, was one of the one of the first. Um, baseball organizations, if not the first, uh, to, uh, to use the, the, the bubble aspect, much like what the, what the NBA is doing, what the NHL is doing right now, and what major leagues are struggling right now trying to do. Um, uh, uniquely, uh, because of our provincial and, uh, and uh, um, country regulations, uh, Winnipeg uh, could not have uh, a team up here with, with Americans crossing the borderline. Yeah. Um, and people from the Dominican Republic and from Mexico and so on and so forth. It, it just was not being allowed. So uh, we, Fargo uh, was uh, going to be one of the hub cities where Fargo would be a home team and so would Winnipeg. So it worked out that each team would play 18 games in their home hub city and then the rest would be travel ball or however those numbers worked. I believe it was 18. Um, I think Sioux City was the other, uh, the other uh, city. And uh, I can't remember what the third one was. My bad memory serves me correctly. But uh, I think St. Paul, uh, just with their state regulation, they just opened up yesterday. And uh, so they're starting to play their home games for the rest of the season, actually in St. Paul, Minnesota. So there's a fourth city uh, now. Um, so you had, once again, using... Fargo has the example for Winnipeg and Fargo playing their home games out of there. And then they would they wouldn't necessarily switch dugouts, of course, but, but it's, uh, that, that, that's how it kind of worked out. Um, everybody seems to be, uh, uh, staying healthy. Uh, some of the officials are wearing masks. Um, they have a rule for our guys where they can go behind the picture and, uh, an umpire there, which I don't think none of the guys are, but they do have that option if they wish. Uh, we have that here in the amateur side up in Canada too, here in Winnipeg. Um, the baseball, because of the shutdown of the minor leagues and uh, those players being allowed to play indie ball, um, uh, boy, I'll tell you, uh, there there are some good ball players playing in the American Association now, and uh, the way that that the other six teams are not playing. Uh, they were drafted uh, before the season started on onto the rest of the uh, six teams that are playing. so you can just imagine the caliber of baseball that's being played now uh, in the American Association it must be awesome and the way the way that the officials are working is this year uh, when I was talking to uh, or, or texting uh, with Marty Bauer, uh, apparently the two crew chiefs uh, are working um, on each crew. Uh, with a young guy. So you're actually getting you're actually getting two crew chiefs out of all the all the crews that are that are working together this year. So that makes us better, uh along with the upgrade of talent that it's obviously uh you know on each team now. So it must be I can tell by the scores that uh pitchers are taking a beating because there's like 10, 9, 7, 6, 16, 12 after eight innings and it's just uh there's lots of work to be done out there if that's what's happening. So that's that's basically it in a nutshell for the AA. And uh I just hope they stay healthy and nobody nobody tests positive and uh, it all works out.
1: Yeah, you know it, it's there's many challenges still and they they're doing what they can, which I think is great. It's been weird that you know minor league baseball, affiliated minor league baseball basically was shut down, no games. Um and in moving forward, we're probably going to see less minor league baseball teams so i don't know how that's going to affect independent leagues if maybe they get better players uh, uh younger players maybe they get more teams i'm not positive how it's going to work but there is seem to be this dismissal of minor league baseball by major league baseball uh the cities the towns the teams themselves where uh they're just kind of really only want you know a double a triple a um, maybe just double AA, a triple a so I, i'm not sure what the future is going to look like for minor league baseball but i think if i had to guess that with minor league baseball kind of going away that it's going to benefit independent league baseball that's just my opinion
0: yeah you i i agree with you I, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if there's lots more talent out there and they want to play that the league is going to get better uh it, it it is what it is and and as we all know, uh, as the dominoes fall in just about any subject matter of life, it all ends up with a dollar sign at the end of the last domino, right? <laughs> so, and it, it's, I've been around for 65 years, and no matter how you Julian Fry reasoning, it all boils down to money uh, for some strange reason. Uh, and hey. yeah, I, I, I mean, the owners are, are looking and they're going, all right, we've got this virus out there. Um, do we want to subject um, $7 million a year ballplayers, which is probably the average baseball player now? Um let's never mind work it down to the minutes and seconds of, of of, what the best baseball player in the world is is making per game. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just astronomical. It makes your head spin. Um yeah, <laughs> the minor leagues are not they're not around and there's a good reason for that. Uh it's money. Um they don't want to spend the money and uh therefore uh they want to keep the, the higher, most expensive talent playing for the few dollars that are out there for the fans that have to spend um i don't think you're going to get you're going to get uh ballparks full of chief executive officers that can uh that can afford to, you know what i mean yeah, it, yeah coming yeah. out to ball. it's just not going to happen so hence they had to chop salaries and uh it just happened to be the minor leagues and uh and I'm very sympathetic towards our guys, too. Like, how many umpires that work minor league baseball? Where are they? Yeah. Are they shooting pool and pool halls? Or, or are they going into um, independent baseball? Probably not. Um, so I'm very sympathetic towards, uh, our, especially our young guys that have just come out of schools. And they're in their early 20s. And they're on their way. And all of a sudden, boom. You know, they get sent home. So... I, I hope what happens in the future, uh, of course I'll be probably long retired by then, is that we flushed it all out. And we'll start again <laughs> and then we'll build towards we're either back in those cities or we're back in other cities where it works. Yeah. And that's my thoughts on that. And I'm sure I share that with you because Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it it's like anything else.
1: Everyone's taken such a hit this year. I mean, it, it's oh. just been so sad really, with yeah. uh you know, the unemployment and just things not being normal. And uh, I, I don't like change a whole lot. Some change is good, but man, I just want things back, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, I hope that 2021 is a much different year or I should say a a, a normal year compared to what we've had now. Uh, Cause I know a lot of people have, I mean, things here in the States are, are very different than they've ever been. And, and I know Canada, uh, Canada and, and America do things a little bit different, but uh, they are, you know, they, they, they share a border. They share that, uh, you know, that they share North America right They're They're, uh, they're you're the North we're the South, it, but, but at the end of the day, we're all friends, uh, you know, connected, uh, to the great uh, North American continent, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I agree with you. When I look up into the sky, I see clouds. I know when you look,
0: you look up, you still see the same clouds. Uh, the big dippers over there, and uh, I don't know about you, when I flush the toilet, it spins counterclockwise. So I'm assuming yours does too. Um, it, not that I look, okay? <laughs> but it, it, Yeah, I mean, there may be the 49th parallel and there may be a borderline there. And on occasion, it's a little tough to get across because of all the questions, what have you. But uh, you know, the chocolate bars taste the same, beer tastes the same, ours is a little stronger. Uh, uh, there's a reason for that. We have colder weather. Uh, you got to get that antifreeze in your butt or you freeze to death you know? <laughs> God bless you. I got mine in my hand, and it's forty degrees out there. I don't need it, but I'm drinking it anyway.
1: oh man well uh, cheers, my friend, cheers yeah. for sure uh it
0: it it just it just is what it is. if everybody behaves and what have you um, we'll all come out of this okay and uh twenty twenty one is gonna be a coin flip uh we 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 don't have a vaccine in. As soon as we develop ours, we'll give you whatever we got, and I'm sure that if you guys develop it before, give us some because we're going to need it. And uh, we'll we'll figure this thing out with antibodies, and uh, hopefully, by 2022-2023, we we can actually go out without having to walk by you and say, "Oh, hi, Matt. Uh, are we seven feet away from each other?" You know, that kind of stuff is is just not what it's about for me. I, I I'm a French Canadian. We're huggers. We we. Uh, <laughs> that's what we do my last name starts with love okay and that's that's what we do we're we're a huggy group up here in canada as you all know and and uh we're not just fist pumpers we we go the extra mile and this is killing us
1: up here oh man you guys are are the nicest people in the world uh that's that's a stereotype but a good one and i can honestly say it's true because uh man i'm like man everyone's so nice up here this is weird
0: (laughs) 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 We <laughs> sorry for, for we actually, it, it is true. We, we say things like sorry for no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. and You know, if, if you're, if you're, uh, if, if you put your left shoe on before your right plate shoe and I'll go, oh, sorry to see that, you know, and you just look at it and go, why did he say that? You know, and <laughs> it's just the way we look.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to 2021 as a lot of people are. Hopefully my Kings, my LA Kings are in the NHL playoffs in 2021. Uh, All the best to your Winnipeg Jets here as the playoffs are just getting started. Uh, We'll see what happens, man. I'm excited about hockey. Uh, Really great catching up with you, Hank. It's been a lot of fun. Anything else? uh, Any closing thoughts you have as we kind of wrap it up here? Well, I think this is going to be a good one. We're gonna keep that
0: NBA title nice and shiny for you, Bud. <laughs> we, in the North, we the North will take good care of it. And whoever wins it down there, if you want it back, it'll come back to you, nice and shiny, brother. It'll come back. Oh, nice I
1: love it. Hey, I love the pride, <laughs> man. I, I love the, the national. That's outstanding. Yes, very happy for Canada for the Raptors championship. And uh, you know what? All the best moving forward with all the other sports too, man. I think uh, yeah, that, that must have been a, a, just one big party last year. So outstanding stuff, Hank. You bet. Thanks for being Always here. We'll talk to you soon, you. my friend. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that?
0: Always a business doing pleasure with you. Anytime, anyplace, anywhere you want this old foot soldier, just let me
1: know. <laughs> Sounds great, Hank. You have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you. big thank you to Hank Lemoyne thanks for joining us my friend that was a lot of fun and yes the Toronto Raptors are still the NBA champions at least for a few more months and i know you and your uh, fellow canadians are very proud of them for winning the title last year and are uh, holding on to that trophy for at least a couple couple more months as they keep it nice and shiny for the next nba champion well uh good luck to uh toronto in moving forward and good luck to hank lemoyne as he continues to do great things in winnipeg and uh, for the baseball community up there great talking with you hank i hope we can chat again real soon about some hockey there's some great playoffs going on here i'm sure you and i will be in touch uh to go over some of the uh the great games here in the uh very near future thanks again hank lemoyne Great times. Well, tomorrow, guys, we will be joined by Doctor John Collins. That's right. We have, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of this program, we are growing as a podcast. Not only do we have our first international guest today, but tomorrow we are going to be joined by a uh, medical doctor, in John Collins. He's finishing up his uh, some of the, the things he needs in his process to kind of become a uh, full fledged emergency room doctor and. It was really fun catching up with him because he talked a lot about being a doctor from a very different perspective than I uh, would have anticipated. He talked about kind of the uh, kind of the competitive juices really are kind of what motivated him uh, he 's a graduate of Rio hondo Prep. From back in 2006, he was in my brother Sam's class, and you uh, took him a little while to realize, you know what? I, I want to go down the uh, the medical route and be be a doctor. So his journey is quite entertaining. Uh, again, the mindset of a doctor, especially one involved in the um, the emergency room, which John does. Uh, it it was really interesting to hear the the mental side of things, the mindset you got to have as you kind of go from patient to patient. and, And unfortunately at times, you know, uh, you lose people and, and have to go on to the next person and, and all those different things. It was really interesting to hear uh, John talking about that. So be sure to tune in with us tomorrow. I, I promise you it's going to be uh, educational for sure, very informative to hear from uh, not only a doctor here in the year 2020, as uh, you know, a lot of different medical opinions seem to be going around these days. But John's going to talk to us a lot about what the past few months have been like for him as a doctor for a lot of people in the medical field. We'll talk about the coronavirus a little bit. He he did say he's not a scientist. He's just a a doctor. So a lot of the things he's talking about are are his opinions, but he also has some uh, experiences that have really shaped those opinions. And I think uh, it'll be very informative for all of our listeners tomorrow. So I look forward to you guys hearing from Dr. John Collins tomorrow. On Fridays, we also have a special segment we've been doing where we try to talk about an American hero, whether it be... Uh, a soldier, a fallen soldier, someone who's won the Medal of Honor, someone who has served admirably in the military, uh, law enforcement, just different uh, different people in different walks of life that we want to mention, mention their stories, some very famous names, very famous stories, but also some names and some stories that you haven't heard of. So we've been doing it about seven weeks now, and we're really proud of that segment that we came up with that is called Suds with Studs, because these are people that we would love to sit down and have a beer with if the opportunity presented it. our Itself to us. Most of these people that we mention are no longer with us. They have passed on. Whether uh, it was in uh, during their courageous acts, uh, or in some cases just because uh, they are from a a long time ago, and uh, you know old age catches up with all of us. But regardless, uh, if it were possible, these are people that we would love to sit down and have a beer with, and we would absolutely be buying. So. Uh, be sure to tune in, not only for Dr. John Collins tomorrow, but for our weekly segment on Friday, Suds with Studs, just a 10, 15 minute segment or so that we uh, give or take that we we chat about someone and try to pay uh, pay some uh, respect to uh, to our American patriots out there. Well, guys, that will wrap up our episode here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Thank you for joining us. As always, there are many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod and our Facebook and Instagram page is get home safe podcast. If you'd like to contact us, write us in, maybe uh, offer some suggestions for content, maybe ask us some questions, whatever the case may be. We also have an email address that is get home safe podcast at yahoo.com. There's also another feature, which I continue to talk about every single episode. It's on the anchor app. It's also on the website anchor.fm. If you'd like to sign up uh, to follow our podcast, it's absolutely free. Just sign in, create an account. You can leave a, voice message on our podcast. Yesterday, we had uh, our second person, actually the same person who's done it twice now, Will Tarico, who uh, sent us in a voice message, a question for me. And as of yesterday, I had uh, my weekly guest, Bill Barnes. The question was directed at both of us. He got an answer from both of us. It was kind of fun playing his uh, his clip on the air and then following it right up, almost like we have a caller in show, right? So that's kind of the, uh, the gist of it, if you will, and uh, kind of just... The way we want people to contribute to this program so uh in in being involved that is you know with their thoughts with their questions with their ideas so that we can talk about them and you know what if we have some disagreements there's nothing wrong with that disagreements are great uh, disagreements make the world go round. It makes us uh, discuss things at times. So if there's some uh, topics that you guys want to talk about, or just hear my opinions on, feel free to send them my way, whether it be an email or a voice message or a message through any of our social media platforms, there's plenty of ways to reach us. Uh, we would love to hear from you much like you hear from us every single day here on the get home safe podcast, Monday through Friday. We are here for you guys, uh, hopefully providing good content and some great guests, Uh, some great interviews that's our goal every single day so thanks for joining us guys we have a great show lined up for tomorrow a big thank you to Hank LeMoyne once again thank you for being our first international guest and for having a great time with me on the air talking hockey talking baseball just sharing some laughs I can't wait to uh, chat with you again very soon I've already said that but I need to say it again Guys, tomorrow, big show, Suds with Studs, as well as Dr. John Collins. Be sure to tune in. We look forward to having you. And, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or round in third base, get home safe.